Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhart. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. You can also find us at our website, adoptionthemakingofme.com. And please remember to subscribe, share, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. In today's episode, we will be continuing to discuss I Would Meet You Anywhere by Susan Keo Ito, and then we will be speaking to Adoptee Jane. Again, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, S12F, fellow adoptee, friend, someone who will be in New York. So thank you very much for your support. We appreciate you. Hey, I'm excited about Patreon. Me too. We have a date. So we've been trying to stick to the first Saturday of the month. However, the first Saturday of February, we will be in New York City for Operation Foglift. So yes. we have to do it on February 17th. So what well, we do email our Patreons, but if you want to become a Patreon to join the Zoom, you want to become a $10 a month Patreon and join our monthly Zooms, they are growing and it's really cool. Yes. So we'd love to have you. Just go to patreon.com and search Adoption the Making of Me and become a $10 Patreon and you can join us. Yeah, it's fun. And we have a little bit longer, so we'll get more in there. And it's becoming a really neat group. I'm loving it. Yeah. Also, we are going to have merch soon. Yes. So that will be another Patreon level and we'll sell it on our website as well. Yep. But if you become a Patreon at a bigger level, we'll working out those details. Then you can also get merch and join the Zoom. There's all sorts of perks Yay. with that. So stay tuned. I can't wait to see our merch. We've been working I on know. it. I know. It's going to be really fun. So okay. see you join soon. Patreon. Yep. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Louise. How are you doing? How are you? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm really enjoying this book. It's hard to, you know, Susan Keo Ito, I would meet you anywhere. You know, she's such a good writer and it's just so deep and beautiful. And yeah, I hard. love it. There were like the chapters that we read were the place I came from and not a Japanese girl. And there were things in this first chapter that I like brought tears to my eyes. Um, I mean, there were a few things or was it the next chapter? I mean, well, they were both. They were both. Well, the next chapter for sure. This one, the place where I came from, I thought was interesting because she literally, her mother is really direct, like Japanese and just speaks really directly. And she was like, oh, you know, Don Layden in your school yes. came from where you came from. She's like, all of a sudden this whole thing, what are you talking about? Like New Rochelle? She's like, no, Spencer Chapin, where we got you. And her whole mind was like, what do you mean where you got me? You know, this... And I had this because my older brother used to say mean things, babysitting, like, I know where we got you, so be good. Like, you know, this is a big brother thing to use against a sister. But it brought back that whole thing, like, well, what do you mean? I went. They went to a store. Like, her whole mind was swimming with this. And the, a boy in her class who was like the good-looking, blonde, long hair, yeah, cool kid was also adopted. It was very interesting. I, well, and I think that's what... I mean, there's a few things that mm -hmm. before that, before she confronted him, but where her mom called her a mutt. Yes. And, you know, obviously not, but, you know, made Teasing. reference yes. to the fact that she was only half Japanese. 
And then it said she, it had taken her years to understand that not everyone was adopted. She learned th- th- about <laughs> reproduction through breeding your your Keyshawn about the dogs. About the dogs. So funny, you know, and I w- it made me think back to like, how did I ever learn? Yes. No one ever told me. There was no, I went to a Lutheran school. We didn't have sex ed. I don't no. even know. Um, I learned through my friend's older sisters. I remember them telling me and I was horrified. Like, what do you mean? And the way they told me was probably not exactly accurate. Like that yeah. was all very like, <laughs> what goes on? I don't understand. So she went to the library and she found, you know, the book, The Search for Anna Fisher by Florence Fisher. Yeah. And read all these quotes by adoptees. You know, she did that young, like Yes. I wasn't clear. And how just how it how it really affected her, you know. And the quotes, of course, the one I saw was I feel lost and floating. But I think what brought tears to my eyes really was when she connected with Don about the adoption and just that they suddenly had this. Yes. You found that person that you like you two are apart from the world, you know, it's that commonality of being adopted. Yes. You know, and finding that person that young that and I think highlighted for me just how alone feeling it. It really is. is when you're young and you don't understand it and you don't have anybody to talk you to. You don't about have the it. words for it or anything. Mm-hmm. He was sitting by that, that yeah. Sat behind was, him in home just, room. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I'm also from she said, My mother told me you were from Spencer Chapin. He's like, Why would your mother tell you that? And she said, I'm yeah. also from there. And then they had that look. And it just changed his whole yeah. Like suddenly we we understand we're two of a kind. Yeah. And it was really so moving to me. She writes it so well, too, from a young voice, right? Like, I feel like I'm reading it from her young voice, and her memory is so good about it. Then we move on. She's not really Japanese. I mean, she's half Japanese, but in Japanese culture, that's a thing, too. Yeah. I mean, in those circles that she ran in, not to be fully Japanese, she started working at a Japanese restaurant. I pictured it like Gaucho of Japan that we had in Denver, but this was in, it was called, I forget what it was called actually, but it was, she had to drive an hour and it was fully like a Japanese experience. If you went there and she got the job as a waitress wearing the kimono and what happens right when she gets there is heartbreaking, you know? You mean from the customer? Yeah. The customer who's like, I paid for it. Yes. You're not Japanese. And you know, another feeling of like not belonging anywhere, you know? Yeah. And she's like, I Uh, am Japanese. I'm half Japanese. And he said, I want to, I want a girl like that. And in her head, she's thinking, well, that girl's actually Korean who's working here. You know, it's it's so racist and weird. And like, I don't know, just already making her feel separated out. Her mother was getting her ready and so proud she was in a kimono, but also talking about how she was half Japanese. Like, yeah, like always, a, always a reminder of your otherness. Yes. Be it in the Japanese community, be it in the white community, in the restaurant. And then after all that, like she worked her ass off for how many hours. <laughs> I remember those days of having yes. cool tips like this is not fair. And, you know, she didn't she get how get, she got 29 bucks out of 200 or something. Right. And she got the least amount because she was the newest there. It's like, yeah. oh God, that stuff would not fly today. That's for sure. No, when I was thinking about that too, it was, it was so controlled in so many ways. But remember that? I remember getting this, the worst tips yes. like when I was a hostess. Uh, I got nothing. 
like two dollars oh, or my. something. And so then when she got home, her mom was waiting up for her to make her a bath, which I thought was really sweet. I did um, too. I got the sense that I don't know what I sensed in that. I sort of sensed that we're not totally through her book yet and don't know her whole thing, but I sensed that like it's easier with her dad and there's tension with her mom. Something, maybe pressure. Yes. Yeah. Pressure to kind of be the Japanese girl Mm -hmm. and make her proud type of thing. And also knowing it might be hard. You know, it's hard to know. I sensed it too. I just don't know what it is. I love the way she writes though. I hope everybody reads this. It's such a great book. We'll have the, in the, Show notes, there's a link to get the book and you get a discount. Yes, so just make sure a good discount. You, you know, if you're coming in late or you want to catch up, we're short. We're not far into the book. So it's not going to be hard to catch up. So go ahead and order it. And we start next week with a chapter called Searching. Yep. So we will read that. And I think the next, the next chapter, one. one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, so we'll read those two chapters. Mm-hmm. One of these things is not like the other and searching. We'll meet you here next week. We'd love for you to join us. Yep. So what do we say? See you in a minute. <laughs> See you in a minute for our guest. Yeah, yep. that's a good one. It is. See you soon. So Sarah, have you been enjoying your magic mind still? Totally, 100%. Well, I know both you and I yeah. have been thinking about like lessening our coffee intake Mm because I end up like drinking a whole pot in the morning and one of the things I like about this is that it has matcha in it yeah which is you know less caffeine but also has additional compounds that are called catechins yeah so it kind of like extends the benefits of caffeine yeah it's been well for me I definitely have to cut back on caffeine and I've noticed when I have it I don't need that next like because I'm like you all drink the whole pot I'm like, oh, I don't need it now. I'll just drink my water and move on. And I'm sleeping better. My focus is There's something is better. also good about a cold shot yes. of it in the morning, you know? It definitely makes, I feel like it makes me more productive and more focused. Like I can get more done in less time. Yeah. Because of that, the new tropics inside of it, which improve attention and concentration. Yeah. It's pretty cool. We started off, they gave it to us. Yeah. Now it's like we're subscribers and we love it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, since it's January, only this January, they're going to help you gear up to crush your 2024 New Year's revolutions fully focused. So when you subscribe for three months, yeah. you get one month for free. It's a good deal. So we're going to put the, you use the code adoption20, but we're going to put that in our show notes. So yeah, go to our show notes if you're interested. Great time to do it. We've had yeah. some guests ask us about it. When guests come on, they're like, hey, how do you do you like that magic mind? So it, it does work. We're not, Sarah and I are addicted now, so. I know. Well, <laughs> Look, you it's, know what I mean. it's really good. It's not addictive. <laughs> <laughs> and also, by the way, you can find it in Sprouts. It's also in Sprouts. Yes. You're going to pay a little bit yes. more. It's better to subscribe and get it sent to you. Yeah, especially if you're doing this, getting the one month free. It's totally, totally worth it. I highly recommend it. So again, it's in the show notes. Hello, welcome to today's episode. What's unique about today is our guest has never been on a podcast before. 
ever. Never told her story anywhere. So we are the first to debut Jane Spreckley coming to us from Newtown, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Jane. Welcome, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Yes. And you just let us know that we're going to see you in New York. I am. Yes. So I'm really excited about that. Yes. Well, hopefully this won't air after we've been in New York. (laughs) (laughs) We just have to be careful with how we speak because we don't know when our episodes are going to (laughs) air sometimes. Uh, Well, either way, we'll have seen you or we will. Yeah. That would be great. (laughs) Either way. Yes. We're excited about that. I'm so happy you're coming. I'm really looking forward to it, to meeting everybody and seeing everybody in person. That'll be great. We are too. We know you have a unique story, so I'm really excited to hear it. Well, you start where you want to start and we'll just take it from there. Okay. I was born in 1963. I was born in Wilmington, Delaware to my birth mother was when she got pregnant was 13. Oh, so um, very young. I Wow. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. I mean, my mom, my mom growing up, she told me I was adopted. I always knew from like before I even knew what it is. And then one day we were driving along and she said, I was probably about eight years old. And she told me what my name used to be. So I'm not sure how they knew that, but I guess because I had an amended birth certificate and they went through an attorney to adopt me through the agency. It was the Children's Bureau of Delaware. And so we're driving along in the car. I was about eight years old. And my mom said, told me my birth name. And she said, you know, that meant that we had to change your name when we adopted you. So I just always had this like identity thing. Like I thought, well, that's weird. I'm two people, you know, I I, I never could understand that. And so it's still hard to understand. It's very hard to understand. I don't, you know, I don't feel like two people. I'm a Gemini, so which makes it even weirder, but (laughs) (laughs) it fits um, you. It does. So I never really wanted to search. I had the greatest upbringing. I had two wonderful parents. I had a brother who was two years younger than me, and he was biological to my mom and dad. My mom and dad couldn't have kids. My mom had a, in 1962, she had experienced a blood clot on her brain and they Mm. went in and took the blood clot out, but she had a stroke while recovering. And so she had to learn how to walk and talk and do all the, you know, motor skills all over again. And she was a physical therapist and she wanted to get back to doing that. But she was a stay-at-home mom early in Wait, our years. Your brother, I'm sorry, your biological brother was younger than you or two yes. years older? Okay. He's he's two years younger. Oh, okay. Um, so they, they thought they couldn't have kids and then they Right, right. Yeah. It's the typical, you know, my yeah. you know, they didn't think they could have kids and then my mom got pregnant. So we're about two years apart. So my life was just like a fairy tale. It was just this great, you know, I never needed to search. I never wanted to search. And unlike a lot of us adoptees, I liked my birthday. I celebrated it. I liked it. I, you know, the thing that I always thought was it's weird because I like to celebrate my birthday, but I don't want the attention. I just wanted to like, I wanted everybody to be there, but no gifts. I didn't like the attention being on me, but Mm -hmm. I didn't mind the birthday part. Can I ask you quickly, what was the name? What was your name? Colleen. Colleen. Yeah. Isn't it um, strange? It's like owning this other name. (laughs) It is weird. And so what I did find out was 
well, first of all, I never wanted to search. And my mom always said, you know, if you ever want to search, I'll help you search like most people. And I, I believe she would be really happy to have helped me. Both my adoptive parents passed away. So at the age of 58, I guess, I decided to think about searching, really searching. I did had done it 23 and me and there wasn't anybody close. I have like 1500, you know, four or five and six cousins or whatever. Yeah. But so during COVID, I had my whole name. I knew my whole name. So I didn't know, I still can't figure out why it would be so hard to search. So um, wait, was your, your parents lived in Pennsylvania and adopted you from Delaware? Yes. Okay. Okay. And my birth mother was from Westchester, which is 45 minutes, you know, towards the city away from here. Right. And was I never she, knew. Was she sent to, oh, you, you didn't know, I guess. Yes. I know everything okay, about we'll do, that. Yeah. Yeah. She was sent away to a home for unwed mothers and my parents got me at 10 months. So I was in a foster home, mm-hmm. actually two foster homes until I was 10 months. And, you know, the pictures that I have from the foster home, there's two and I have a smile on my face and I, you know, I never thought there was really any, no, here's the fog thing. I never really <laughs> knew there was any issues. So I hate to be jumping around like this, but when I That's was 14, fine. It's my mom how it comes out. left my dad and oh. my, so she didn't do it in a very nice way. She just picked up and left and then told us that, you know, she had taken a few things out of our house and left my dad. Well, it was on their 20th wedding anniversary and two days after Christmas. And so she didn't take you and your brother with her? She asked me if I wanted to go. She asked us if we wanted to go. And, you know, they had been arguing and fighting before. And I was always trying to, like, get them to stop and fix it because that's just what, you know, I didn't want them to break up. So I didn't want to go with them. Well, we live with my dad. So I always knew that there was like that abandonment thing, but it never dawned on me that there was two abandonments. Mm-hmm. Until, Some, I have a similar yeah. story. Yeah. How old were you when this happened? I was 14. 14, 14 okay. Yes. So um, Tough time in a girl's life. Gosh. Oh, it's awful. To lose her, awful. to have her mother leave yeah. really and hard. I, I, the relationship I had with my adoptive mom was hard. I mean, I never knew why it was so hard. I just, I don't know why it was so hard, but I do now because I probably was looking for something else and, you know, I was never threw it in her face or anything, but. Did your brother go with her? Is that what you said? Oh, okay. So both of you stayed. stayed. No, we both stayed with my dad and then, you know. How was your relationship with your brother? I was just curious. Not great. And Mm -hmm. I loved him when he came home from the hospital. And then when we started going to school, I was bullied a lot. And I thought that he would stick with me, you know, on the bus and things like that. I thought maybe he would stick with me and he didn't. So it just made for like a lot of sibling angst. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, when you think about it, you have no genetic connection. There's no right. You yeah. just happen to be in this family together. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. But I never felt not a part of it. I never felt like I didn't belong. My parents, all my father, this is the funniest thing, but my, my dad, they went to the foster home to get me, I guess. My dad said, and I told this at both of their eulogies, that my dad walked in and he saw me standing up in the playpen and he said, That's my sweetheart with the almond eyes. 
Well, Uh it just, I felt that my whole life, I felt Uh that he really, really just that I was his daughter and that was, that was it. Yeah. I had that with my father and it's a rare thing, I think. After talking to so many people. yeah, It really is because I felt a part of it. I didn't feel like I never needed to search. I never wanted to search, you know, and my mom would bring it up every once in a while. And I would say, no, no, that's okay. You know, I don't need to, but then, you know, I did the DNA thing and I, you know, like most people say, like they spit in the tube and just held it over the mailbox and like, okay, here goes, let's do it. And I had gotten in touch with the adoption agency just to see if there was any way I could get, you know, some more information like non-identifying information or things like that. And I had gotten my original birth certificate, which had my birth mother's name on, but I guess it was during COVID. I was looking onto the website where you can find people's high school pictures and things, classmates.com or something. And I happened to come across a picture and I looked at it and it was like looking at me in the mirror. Mm. I never had that. I never Uh saw that before. Then I thought, well, all right. I told the agency about it and I got some non-identifying information. And then I looked, I Googled the names of these. Oh, I know. I I know. I Googled it and found an obituary for, I guess would be my maternal grandfather. And in the obituary, it said predeceased by his daughter and it had my birth mother's name. And so I was like, ah. I was like, oh, well, now I guess, you know, I'll never be able to meet her. And I think for me, that is the hardest thing. I just don't, it's really. I have that too. It's like the one person you want to meet. Yes. I mean, you want to hear their voice. You want to see what they look like. And well, so they, my birth mother was one of seven and she was a twin, a boy, girl, twin. Mm. So they sent letters to four of the siblings and the next day. They heard from them and all of them wanted to know who I was and what, you know, they had some questions. What did I want? You know, who was I? And, you know, very excited about the whole thing. In the meantime, I had done Ancestry and on a Friday night, I was sitting looking at Ancestry and there was a message that popped up and it said, you have a private message. And it it said, are you the person that reached out to the agency? And I said, I wrote back and said, yes, I am. And she said, well, I'm your half sister. Well, I never had any other siblings. And, you know, I was one of two. And I thought, wow. And she said, you have two half sisters and a brother. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, it just, my whole body was just like, I just couldn't believe that this was possible. So then I had done 23andMe first and then Ancestry. Well, I found my maternal side's kids. Then about a year later, I got a a message on 23andMe that said that I have a half brother. And I was like, oh no, because I never once in my life thought about a birth father. Like, I don't know why. That happens a lot. I know. And I like, I'm so confused about that. Why that is, because we all know there's a father involved or a dad involved, you know? So anyway, it said I had a half brother. Well, the agency that I had gotten in touch with, she told me that I couldn't reach directly out to him because if my birth father didn't know, they needed to reach to him first. So not their call, but right. <laughs> right. Like why, you know, it's on my Hello, I'm a, you know, Adult. 58 year old woman Absolutely. or whatever you were at the time. Absolutely. Like, give me a break. Yeah. Right. 
I know. And it still upsets me because I've gone down to the Delaware Vital Statistics twice to try to get information, more information. Mm -hmm. You know, I've gotten identifying information and non-identifying information, but I want the foster records too. I mean, that's part of my- I can't find those either. No, I want them. Part of your life. um, I got- I mean, especially uh, because it was almost two years for you. Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it was a long time. So then- they got in touch with, they sent my birth father a letter and I didn't hear anything. And about, I guess it might've been a close to a year or eight months or something. The agency emailed me and she said, Jane, you know, if, if we don't hear anything, I'm going to have to close your case. Cause it had been open for two years and they close it after two years, you know, and she said, if we hear anything, you know, we'll revisit it, but we have to, you know, for our records, whatever, have to close it. So. A week after she said that, she emailed me and I was at work. It was a Friday afternoon. And she said, Jane, I just heard from your birth father. And I was like, oh my God. She said, yeah, can you just, I know the information, but can you just give me some basic, he asked a couple of questions. Can you just answer a couple of questions? And they were, one of the questions was, what did I want? Why did I wait so long? And Mm. how did I know that it was him? Mm. And I wrote back because his son came up on my DNA. And I really didn't want anything. I just wanted to know you. And I want to know where I came from. And why did I wait so long? Because, you know, we weren't able to do DNA. And so I waited to do DNA. And within three minutes, she texted me back and she said, he wants to have your phone number. Is that okay? So I said, sure. So he called me and we talked for 45 minutes and we discovered that my birth mother probably didn't tell him the correct age. She probably didn't say that she was that young. How old was he? He was 16. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he was 16. So he really is having, he's still having a hard time. He doesn't communicate like the maternal side of the family. Like he's, I think he really is in shock. And I actually went to visit them. I have met all of my siblings. He didn't know she had been pregnant. No, she kept he went into secret. the Air Force. She said she didn't. It was, someone, a, it was Vietnam, right? Yes, he was in the Air Force. He went in and he came back and tried to find her, but I guess she was in the home for unwed mothers. Oh. And after that, he went back to the Air Force, got married and, and has a family. He has two kids. Well, I actually got to meet them this summer. I met, they live in Seattle. So I got to meet them and spend the week with them. In, but not um, him? Yeah. Yes. And I had met him. He came here last January. Um, How was that? It was, it was very strange. He came down off the escalator from the, I met him at the airport and he didn't tell me to do it or not, but I decided I was going to go meet him at the airport because this is my one and only chance to have a, a parent, like meet a parent face to face. Well, he came down the escalator and I said, Oh my God, like, there is no doubt that this is my birth father comes down the escalator and he's looking at me and got a big smile on his face. And he hugged me and he said, wow, there is no doubt that you're my daughter because we look a lot alike, but then I look alike my maternal side also. So he, He, his real, can I interrupt for a second? He had fond feelings for your mom because he came back and looked for her. Yes. They, they dated like six or seven times and he mm-hmm. said he really liked her. 
And he was confused why he didn't, you know, he was upset. Why didn't she tell me, you know, I could have helped and I could have been more of a help. And I said, well, that's, you know, that's your 76 year old brain saying that you were 16, you know, how do you, how do you do this when you're 16 years old? Yeah. So it turns out that when I was out, well, let me say when he wanted to go to her grave and just because he, I guess he wanted to deal with it in his own way. So he came here last January and I took him there. And the first time that I had gone to the grave, my sister took me and I, you know, I, I said, oh, I'd go, you know, I'd like to see where she is. And I went and I got out of the car and I'm standing there. And, and I thought, this is weird. Like, why am I doing this? And all of a sudden this, this something happened to me. And I thought, this is the closest that I've ever been to the person that gave me life. And I just couldn't, I started to sob and I was like, this mm. is just not, I couldn't believe it. And I turned to my I had, sisters. I had an experience like that last year. I, I went to the grave of my mother oh. and it really, I thought I would be like, okay, I'm at the grave of my mother and I'm with my aunt who's very affected by it. And I just, it kind of, it was weird. It was hard on me, much different than yeah. I thought it'd be. That's what my feeling was. And my sister said, do you need a hug? And I was like, well, I guess, mm. I mean, I oh. you know, I don't how, know. Jane, how did she die? And yeah. how she, old was she when she died? Yeah, I think she was in her early fifties and she had lung Ooh. cancer. Oh uh, gosh. Yeah. She, oh, and the thing about my sister was my sister got pregnant at 18 and she told my birth mother that she was pregnant. And my birth mother said, I don't want you to have the same regrets that I have. And so she told mm. her that she had me and gave me up for adoption. So my sister had been looking for me for 30 years. Oh. So it's, you know, the good part of that part of the story is that, you know, she's finally reunited with me and we have a really nice relationship, her and I. The other ones didn't know. The other siblings, her siblings didn't know. I mean, because I guess they were probably pretty young when she got pregnant, but she has been looking for me all these years and which was nice. sort of a reunion mm -hmm. in itself. You know, I didn't expect to even have siblings. and now. Turns out that my birth father had had another child, an older child than his two kids that he has. So I have, I'm one of eight and I was, I only had one brother growing up. So it's, it's weird. It's weird. And has, has everyone been pretty welcoming? Yes. On my father's side, my birth father's side, the, my sister and brother are amazing. They were so happy to meet they, my sister. I didn't know her. I hadn't talk to her. I talked to my brother on the phone once and, you know, he sounds like a really nice young guy, but I hadn't heard from my sister and we had been scheduled to meet at a, a brewery in Seattle. And so we're I was standing there waiting and I looked, she gets out of the car and she comes running down the sidewalk mm. with her arms out, you know, and she was like, Oh my God, I'm so happy to meet you. I can't believe it. It's so great to know you. And wow. we had a wonderful time there but my with my birth father i don't know how he thinks or what he because he, he's quiet and i don't know exactly what it is that he thinks do you yeah. feel like asking him i uh, mean is that uh, something you feel comfortable asking him yeah i probably could when we were there visiting my brother let us stay in his townhouse and but you know by he uses it as an airbnb and so we stayed there and the night that we had done the brewery thing, we came back and my texted my birth father and I said, oh my God, what a wonderful night. This was such a great night. And he texted me and he said, I love you. And I Aww. thought, 
Wow. wow. Like, okay. I didn't expect that from him because I had not, he wasn't emotional like that before, but I guess it just was like a great night. And we all, he doesn't know how to show it. No, sure. I don't think I really don't think. And I think he's, you know, it's, he's 77 now and he didn't have me for 60 of those years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm not really it's so sure. strange. You're so close in age. Like I they know. were really so young. I yeah. I mean, my birth mother, really young. And you know what? The one thing I did know that I realized in this whole thing is that you think of you because you're the kid, you know, you're the adoptee and you, you go along in your life and you're, you know, you think about yourself. And I thought about her on my birthdays and things, but it wasn't, I was never really obsessed with finding out who I just wanted to see a picture or know a name. Mm-hmm. And then it like snowballs and then you want to know everything. And, yeah. But I really, really feel so that she did such a, I don't even know what to say, like such a a thing to make a better life for me. And a lot of people don't think adoption is, is a a good thing, but my situation was I was in the right place. I grew up in a great home with great parents and I feel so fortunate, but so sad that I didn't get to meet her. Going back, you told us that you were coming out of the fog before we got on with us sort of real in real time. Did you have a lot of feelings about like, oh, like, did you have things where you push people away or relationship issues or it, what What was that for you? No, not really. My adoptive mom was so ahead of her time. She was in the medical field. So she was very, you know, show your emotions, feel your emotions, do everything that, you know, just to show everything and feel what you feel. Like if you're angry, show anger. If you're sad, show sadness or whatever. And I never, you know, no, not really. I, I wasn't, I never had issues with that at all. Never had any kind of abandonment issues in relationships. And no, people left me like, you know, in my relationships, I was left more than leaving people, but no, I didn't realize the primal wound until I found out who Gene was and listening to you guys and reading the primal wound. I I had no idea. And, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks, like, oh my God, no, I didn't just have one abandonment. I had two abandonments. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing you never got to find out your birth story. Was there anybody else in your mother's family that knew anything or knew the the details? (laughs) That's interesting. My maternal grandparents are both deceased. My aunts and uncles, my birth mother's siblings, I have met four of the remaining six. And my aunt, my birth mother's younger sister, I met her and they didn't know. None of them knew about me that she was pregnant at all. And I said, well, how did you get away with her? Not like, not, how did you not know? And I found out that the only one that knew was her twin. And he he was, they swore, his parents made him swear to secrecy that he would never, ever say anything about it because she just went away, had me and went back to school. So, you know, but he, and she was like in middle school, she was in ninth grade. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't take care of myself when I was in 10th grade or high school. I can barely take care of myself now. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it is so young. Mm. But I mean, the, really the interesting young. thing about the meeting them is that they, that aunt that told me about that, she, you know, I, I own my own cleaning business and I, I love photography. 
Well, we were sitting there one day after we had met and she said, you know, the pictures are on the wall. I, I have taken all these pictures on the wall. I said, oh my God, like, wow. And then she said, yeah, I had my own cleaning business. And I just looked and I was like, oh my God. So it's close to, you know, that kind of thing was crazy because I never had those kinds of, you Connection. know, genetic connections or whatever you know similarities or, yeah like it's yeah and you don't connect that as a child you just wonder no. maybe i mean for me i just felt like why am i so different i did it didn't yeah. even connect to me that it was did you look was, like your adoptive did you um, look at all like your no, no i was taller than everyone like my adoptive mom is what five foot three mm -hmm. i'm five mm -hmm. foot nine wow. i'm taller than my dad i tower above my brothers wow uh, yeah, so I was yeah. awkward and hunched, you know. Oh, I was so awkward hiding too. My, hiding myself from, <laughs> yeah. from everybody so, not knowing why. That's crazy. Listening. I looked enough like my birth mom, I mean, my adoptive mom, to pass. Like, who we all, we looked a lot alike, all of us. So there was no, you know, I didn't feel out of place. I didn't have that, like, awkwardness or feeling of, and they made me feel so wonderful. They They just, you know, made me feel a part of the whole, family and my she really was ahead of her time like saying, telling was. you your birth name and oh for sure I didn't but i don't that know experience. how that like if you had your birth name then how couldn't you like i guess because we didn't have as much technology back then yeah. you know, there was no computers to look up names or things like that but well and also i think louise and i just finished back-to-back -back books on the podcast about the baby scoop era and there right. there was such a for lack of a better word, brainwashing in in the constellation of adoption that adoptive sure. parents really were told, you know, this is the best for the child to not tell them anything and right. except blank for non-identifying information. Right. These are blank slates. Yep. Create the life you want yep. for them. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically that's it was that, you know, like this is here's your child and raise them how you will you know and it's always that sliding door thing like what if somebody else came to the foster care and picked you up right because you did fit with that family i fit with my right. family too i didn't look like them but but i fit enough but what if a day later i went somewhere else you know like, there's so many bad stories right. it's, it's really just like you're kind of at the whim of whatever system yeah yeah know? i just want it all to be open like i want it all i want yeah. with dna why not you know, why not just open it all up now? Everybody's going to find out anything anyway. You know, yeah. it shouldn't be hidden anymore. But I think it's definitely more open in that, but it's still hard for people from our era to get their records. Yeah. And they're still yes. fighting, like, it's... you know, due to Georgia Tan. I know. Oh, my God. I mean, this <laughs> is why. Just... I listened to you guys, your episodes with the book. Oh. And it's just, oh, it's just so awful. It makes me so angry. It's like, it, it's so awful. It really is. It really is. Here um, in California, I'm not from California, but they're trying to pass a dirty bill, like a bill that goes with another bill that will will seal up that adoptees can't get their records, which they can't still, because an adopted father is the head of that Senate legislature. Uh, and it's like hundreds of thousands of people you're affecting by this. And it's California, yeah. which is always more progressive, more but, more, more but not open. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wanted to ask, when you were growing up, how far away was your biological family from where you grew up? Like, did your mother grow up? Was she near you? Yeah. She, oh, great question. Yes, they were about 45 minutes away from mm -hmm. me. 
And I found out from my sister that I worked at a Girl Scout camp in my after high school for a few years. And I was down at a camp in in, um, Oxford. And when I was searching, I realized that the camp that I worked at was two doors down from a place where my birth mother lived with her husband. Wow. Yeah. At the time when I was there. Is that Oxford, Maryland? No, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Pennsylvania. Yeah. I was wow. like, oh, my God. It's a wide open space. You know, it's a big area and not and farms and things like that. So there, it wasn't like right next door, but it was a few miles down the road. But still, it was right there. And you could so, see each other at Walmart or whatever, you know, <laughs> piggly wiggly. Right, right. Hey, Martin, those days. Hey, yeah. Martin, those days. Yes. Hey, Martin. Yes. Oh, yeah. Ames. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, this is all so relatively new for you. How are you processing all this? It's a lot, right? Suddenly. It is. And, and, and I also, two part question, because I want to know where you're at with your brother that you grew up with. Mm. But this is a lot in a short period of time at a late age in life. How are you processing this? Well, I think about the fact that I'm so grateful that I was able to find this in such a short period of time. Like I did all of it and I didn't really think of the consequences and I'm not really like, I don't dwell on it. I, I just was so excited that it all happened and that everybody was so willing. And so you know, wanting to, I said to my sister in Seattle, when I saw her, I said, I really appreciate the fact that you guys are so open and how this is so great to me. And she said, don't you think that part of it might be you, the vibes that you put out into this whole thing? And I I thought about that and I thought, wow, I I really do deal with things pretty easily. You know, I I was just so grateful to know. I had to meet my maternal half-sister during COVID and, you know, I was petrified to be even out in public. And we, we decided to go out to a restaurant out, you know, sit outside and we all had masks on and everything. But that I think was the most impactful for me. The first one, the first person that was, you looked at, that was just, you just, I couldn't believe it. So it's just so, it's a miracle to me that you're even able to do this now. It really is still kind of astounding. Yeah. Very. I mean, because yeah. you guys are older. I mean, in your learned in your older life, right? You yep. didn't know oh. when you were younger. Oh no, oh. I found I found my oh yeah, sorry, did. family and well, as did you, Louise, in yeah. your thirties, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I found my mother and sisters in my early thirty-two, I guess. Yeah, I was thirty-two um, off. Yeah. Yeah. So that was another thought that I had. Like if I was younger, I don't know how I would have mm-hmm. dealt with it. But learning things from my adoptive mom and just able to handle things the way I, you know, and that I knew that she would be okay with it. It just helped. You know, That helps it, a lot. It really does. Because we did a lot of that excited to meet and then the pushing away thing. And now at this age, I wish I just embraced it quicker and mm-hmm. sooner. And because yeah. I'm so enjoying my cousins and my aunt and, right, you know. Now, what about your brother that you grew up with? Are you do you stay in touch? We do. He has two nieces and I have two nieces and a nephew and we have a closer relationship now than we have ever had. We get along fairly well. We spend holidays together and he always just says, you know, when I tell him, he's kind of, you know, he just he doesn't have a lot of emotion, but he says, I just want you to be happy. I'm so glad for you, which is enough for me. I mean, that, you know, I know that he's not upset, but he knows that my mom would have totally been a fine. I'm not sure about my dad. 
my dad, I was his little girl, so I'm not sure, but I think that he would have wanted me to also be happy. And so it's just a, it's a relief to have that feeling of a completeness, you know, and when you, you go and search for all these birth family, this birth family, you go and search for all that, but really what you're searching for is yourself. This is true. Yes, this, that's know, a good like, line. Really, it's true. You know, that's like a- I've gotten the answers. And so it's just a help to be, you know, a whole person. I get sort of excited. And I tell my brother who's five years old or not adopted, I tell him things. And and he's always like, I'm so happy for you, but he doesn't want to dwell on it or get deep about it. And he's right. He's happy for me, but he doesn't really want to be involved. It's kind of that, which is okay. I mean, your adoptive parents are alive or both of mine have passed away and her parents are alive. Oh, Mm -hmm. Are they, do they deal with it? Well, my mom listens to the podcast. I don't know if she yeah. listens to every one of them, but she's very supportive. And there were some learning curves when I started the podcast, I guess you could say. My dad, I'm certain, has never listened or asks me about it or yeah. has any, didn't have a ton of curiosity even when I found my, that just might be his personality, not, yeah, you know, but no, he never I don't think he's ever asked me anything about my biological family. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's harder for Sarah because like you said, your parents passed and you can envision what they'd want. And I have the same thing. Right. She has to do it with parents alive, right? So it's yes. kind of an interesting, you have to be open. Oh, and be like, oh, I can't yeah, imagine. Hard. I can't. I mean, mm-hmm. I know for a fact that my mom, she grew up on, on a farm and she was very, I can just say unique. And she would have said to me, if I would have, come to her and say, I found somebody, she would be like, let's get them on the phone. Let's go there. Let's visit them. You know, let's bring them up here. We'll have them for dinner. You know, she would, she would have just wanted the whole thing really fast. So I gave last Christmas, I gave my half sister a pin that was my mom's Uh and I gave it to her. And I said that my mom would be, she would have been really happy for you to have this. And when I gave it to her, she said, I just love the story so much. I just mm-hmm. love this whole story so much. It's not even the pin. Like it was a pin of a bee, a bumblebee. Mm-hmm. And my mom would have just, I know she would have given it to her because she likes bees. And so it would just, for me to do that was like an act of something that my mom would have done. Wow. This has just been so great, Jane. I teared up multiple times <laughs> telling your story, and yeah. I'm so happy for you. Oh, um, thank you so much for this having is me. Really, a great. It's like the part two story. Yeah, part oh, two of great. your life has a whole different intricate yeah. thing for you. And it's great. I'm so happy to share it with you guys, and I'm so looking forward to meeting you. It will be. So I know that will be like, that will be great. Can't wait to meet you soon. I, I mean, it's so yes, it's coming up. Thank you so much, Jane. We will see you soon. Okay. Thank you. As we say, see you in a minute. See you in a minute. (laughs) That was such a great heartwarming story. I mean, I told her, but it's true. I definitely teared up a few times. I don't know why I'm like emotional today, but. You uh, are. Yeah. yeah. I know I felt there's something, maybe her sister was right. There's something about her. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes you feel instantly warm and you want to hear it. And just that she was so open and just to come into this, what you said, late, so late. Well, and after we stopped recording, she kind of told us about showing up and, you know, she's become an activist now. Yes. Which is also 
really cool. Like, you know, it took her a long time to get here. And now she's like, hey, wait a minute. Even though I had a wonderful life and probably wouldn't change anything, this is not cool. Like, open up these records, for God's sake. People need to know who they are. Yeah. It's your birthright. People need to know. It's your birthright. Yeah. Yeah. It's a human rights violation to not have access to that information. So, well, anyway, Louise, what do we say? We say another great episode. Another great episode. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the Making of Me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.